and welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about season two, episode 18, Killed by Death. So uh, I do have one small kind of exciting announcement. Uh, This March is the 25th anniversary of Buffy. Oh, God. I know. I feel very old right now. But um, I mean, I'm sure we're going to see a whole bunch of merchandise coming out. But the first one that's been announced is Boom Studios. The people putting out the comics currently is doing a 25th anniversary edition that will come out in March. Um, It's going to be a bunch of smaller stories all celebrating the past 25 years of Buffy and a kind of providing an epilogue to their current run. And they did say we'll get a glimpse into what their next project is. So they are continuing Buffy with some sort of other project. And uh, this will be our first glimpse into what that is. That's that's very exciting, though. Yeah, I, I do feel... 25, Very old 25 right now. years. Oh my God. Well, at the time of the recording a few weeks ago, I turned 40. So <laughs> you did. You did. I did. Yes. It's been a rough, it's been a rough couple few weeks in the froggy household. It has. It's yeah. a very rough end to 2021. It really, it really was. I mean, my my husband unfortunately had gotten COVID. Luckily, it was very mild and he just laid in his man cave all day long. We unfortunately had to say goodbye to my sweet tiramisu. And yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. And we, we took some time off for the holiday to record and just yeah. try to get our bearings back. And okay, which uh, we, we don't have a very upbeat episode this week either. We don't, so. I know, this is, sorry. <laughs> like the end of, like the end of season two is just kind of like, meh. Yeah. We got we got this, and then next week is killed by death, which is a whole other can. Not killed, but this is killed no, no, by no. death. Woo! I only next have week, eyes for you. Yeah, next week is I only have eyes for you, which is a whole other can of worms. Yeah, but we have you know what between then, but then before we get to becoming, we have go fish. That's true, which is a super fun episode. So that's I'm, yeah, yeah. So we get to have a little bit of fun before we hit becoming. Yes. All right. So let's get into this. Yes. Killed by Death, it aired March 3rd, 1998. Uh, There was a few interesting facts about this episode, a lot of which we will actually go into at the end because when I was looking up uh, the creator's thoughts on Dakindastad, I found a whole bunch of stuff about like what the original script for this episode, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. But this episode was pitched and repitched multiple times. Yeah. Um, It was going to be a season one episode. It was going to be an episode before Angel went evil. And now we have what it was. Also, the title of this episode is taken from a Motorhead song. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This does feel, you know what? I can kind of feel with this episode, it does feel like a first season episode. So I can see how it was supposed to be back in first season. I can't believe we're, we're, we're only at the end of season, almost at the end of season two. It feels... I know. We've got such a long way to go. <laughs> I know. I know. Because season one was so short. And then with yeah. season two, they started the 22 episodes. So. Yeah, I think it's definitely that switch over from the very short season to the longer one. I think from here on out, yeah. it won't seem as weird. Yeah, once we... Once we get to season three, it'll just keep going. Our synopsis for this week is the flu lands Buffy in the hospital where she hears reports of death's recent visits to the children's ward. 
And what are our international titles, Froggy? We have quite a few this week. So in Czech, we have How to Kill Death. Finnish is Death on a Round. Okay. French is Recollection. German is pretty good. The Invisible Death. Oh, I do like that. Italian is The Monster, which you gotta love because it's Il Mostro. Oh, I do like that. Japanese, The Grim Reaper. Polish is Touch of Death. And the last one is Spanish from Spain is just The Killer Death. Well, okay then. (laughs) If it was a non-killer death, I'd be a little weirded out. Straight into the point. I I like both the invisible death and a touch of death. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So we do get a previously on a mix of scenes from Innocent and Passion that remind us both what happened to Angel and just how far gone he is. Then we're off to the cemetery where Buffy, clearly not feeling well, climbs over the wall and starts her patrol. Hearing some noise over by one of the crypts, she heads that way only to find Xander, along with Willow and Cordelia. What are they doing there? What is she doing there? She's sick. Nah. Uh, world's a bit spinny, but she likes it. It's like a ride. <laughs> Cordy says half the school is out with the flu. It's a big deal. And they're all worried about how gross she looks. <laughs> She's touched, really. Willow says she needs to go home. One night of rest isn't going to kill her. No, but it might kill someone else. She means Angel might. Xander tells her this is not the time to challenge Angel for the heavyweight champion. He's at full strength. She's half a slayer. Yeah, but she's still the slayer. And as long as she is... Angel's not going to kill anyone else. Of course, that's when Angelus appears. Oh, come on. He promises it'll only be one more. (sighs) He charges at Cordelia, knocking her to the ground before Buffy pulls him off. They fight, Angelus taunting her the whole time, mentioning her not feeling well, calling her lover, and saying how her not being at full strength almost takes the fun out of it. He manages to get her on the ground and things are not looking good until Willow throws Xander's coat over Angelus's head and Xander uses that moment of confusion to push him off Buffy. Then all three pull out crosses ready to ward him off. Way to go, team. Yeah. That right. Teamwork. You know what? The one one thing that I always love about the other Scoobies is how well they manage to work with what they have. Yeah. Yeah, I they're mean they're they're, resourceful. they're never they're never gonna they're never gonna be at Buffy's strength, but they're resourceful. They work with what they got, and and again, like throwing the, like Angel probably didn't expect to have a coat thrown over his no, head. Of course not. He's used to people running in fear. Yeah, like yeah, good job, good job team. Good good job team. Xander tells him to take a hike over by oh, Xander. <laughs> I love Xander. How can you hate Xander? We're gonna talk about that in this episode because Xander Xander gets a lot of points in this episode. He yeah, he really he he's really at his at his best in this episode. And then we're gonna talk a lot about Xander and GoFish. <laughs> we're gonna talk so much about Xander and GoFish. Oh, yes. <laughs> GoFish was like one of 15-year-old Mary's favorite episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, like, okay, no, we'll get there anyway. <laughs> we'll get there later. Telling them that this isn't over, he heads off. Their attention is back on Buffy, who's saying she told them not to be there, to go home. She just, before she can finish that thought, she collapses, Xander running to her side. Credits. Still awesome. Still awesome. We return from the credits to the hospital, Xander and the others having taken Buffy right there. They call for help as the doctor asks what happened. Their answers are a jumble until Xander clearly says, she's sick, make it better. (laughs) 
Thank you, Xander. I mean, yeah. They bring over a gurney and he sets Buffy upon it. They begin rolling her back, saying things like unconscious, unresponsive, high fever, fractures. The gang walks with her as far as they're allowed, Willow and Xander asking all sorts of questions. When they get to the door that leads further into the ER, they try to argue to go with her, but the nurse is adamant. That's when Willow says she'll call Giles and asks Cordy to call Buffy's mom. After which, the waiting begins. They wait, along with Giles, until Joyce arrives, who seems to get there just about the same time as the doctor coming out to inform them of their progress. But you know what? TV shows with that take place in hospitals always have such great timing. They do. They do. It's always very dramatic. Yes, yes. Mom's getting here while the doctor's coming out, and now we can figure out what's going on. Buffy's stable and fine, but they'd like to keep her a few nights as she still has some healing to do. But it seems now that she's in a room, they're all allowed back, as we next see them in a hallway and not the waiting room. They bring Buffy, oh, I guess she's going to a room. Yeah. They bring Buffy down the hall and everyone walks with her asking how she's doing. She's definitely still out of it, but asks if she's going home. No, no, they want her to stay there so she can rest. She can rest at home. Her bed is better than any hospital bed. I would fully agree. She's so (laughs) out of it. I just, I like, I'm reading the next line that comes off and I'm cracking up because she's so out of it because she just turns to Xander and she's like shh it's a hospital zone no singing (laughs) she's so cute I mean yeah like yeah she's she's super sick and 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 out of it but oh yeah it's 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 so cute but yeah no hospital beds hospital beds are the worst I was in for so long I was in for so long when I had my little frog and it just you can never get, you can never, the, the temperature isn't right and there's no people outside, there's noises, it sucks. But you can't, you can't actually rest at a hospital. No, no. Though Panda will say that she, she did like being in the hospital after her back surgeries because absolutely no one could bother her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also <laughs> like when you have, when you have a problem with your back too, like the way that you can adjust the beds always yeah. helps too. So, but we know, but we know, we know Panda just does not want to be bothered. <laughs> no, she's like, she literally is like, I'm in a hospital. You can't bother me. It's like a forced field. Yes, exactly. Oh, look, it's time for everybody to go. Yeah. The doctor says she'll be better after she's been there a few days. Days? No, no, she can't be there for days. The vampires. She has to fight the vampires. Giles, tell them. <laughs> The doctors give her a sedative to calm her down, during which Cordelia turns away, apparently not a fan of needles. And Xander, Willow, and Giles all try to pass the vampire reference off as part of her feverish rambling. I mean, it works. It's... Yeah, like... (laughs) She was just talking about singing in the hospital, so you know. Yeah. Buffy keeps whimpering, asking to go home as Joyce assures her it's going to be fine. They wheel her into a room and the others stay outside. Xander saying this is a new experience. He's not used to seeing Buffy scared. Because let's be honest, she was. The Mm -hmm. idea of staying in the hospital has her totally wigged. Joyce confirms that she doesn't like hospitals. And same, Buffy. Same. Yeah. Oh, no. It's, it's, it's awful. It's, it's. Yeah, because I mean, you're going in when you're in a hospital, there's something wrong. It's not a happy place. No. Willow asks what happened, and Joyce says when Buffy was little, around eight or so, her cousin Cecilia died in a hospital, and that Buffy was alone with her at the time. The group takes a moment to reflect on how tragic this was for all parties involved before Joyce says she should probably go call Buffy's dad. Giles nods and says he'll walk with her as he thinks he saw a telephone down the hall. As they walk, Joyce thanks him for being there and for looking out for Buffy. She appreciates it, really. It's good that Buffy has them, all of them. Well, Giles says, they're very fond of her. (laughs) 
Joyce then goes on to say that she hopes she's not out of line, but that she wants to express how sorry she is about the teacher that died. Miss Callender, Buffy says he and her were close. <sighs> Giles thanks her and I... I I did not have crying on my list to do for a Friday afternoon, but when I watched this, I cried anyway. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad I didn't rewatch it (laughs) because. Yeah, no. This this scene is everything. Everything is making me cry right now. (laughs) Yeah, no. Joyce goes on to apologize for babbling and says if there's anything she can do for him. Giles thanks her again and Joyce goes to call Hank. Back outside Buffy's room, Xander asks if they think Buffy will be okay in there. Cordy says she's unsure. One of the girls came in for a nose job, asked for the Gwyneth Paltrow, and ended up looking more like Mr. Potato Head. (laughs) Different hospital, Cordy. Willow reminds Cordelia that Buffy is not in there for plastic surgery. (laughs) True. But while she's in there, they could do something about that thing on her face. You know, that thing. (laughs) Willow asks if Xander thinks Angel will try to attack her in there. It is a public building, which means he's free to try. Honestly, though, is Cordy the only one who noticed the thing on Buffy's face? (laughs) I love this. Like, they never specify what the thing is. Like, it's just... It's just Cordy being Cordy. You know what? I just had a brilliant thought. Yes. What is your brilliant thought? So, yes, she's in the hospital. Yes, hospitals are public places. But I was thinking, what about a actual Catholic hospital? Is the hospital consecrated ground, though? I know, like, they're there because there's, yeah, there's a lot of gray area with, with, uh, Catholic hospitals because also there's crosses everywhere in Catholic hospitals. Yeah, I don't, I don't know because okay, so so vampires are a uh, but they go are, see the thing is the thing is it's yes consecrated ground but they go into cemetery like cemeteries that's what are, that's what I was going to bring up yeah going to cemeteries and a lot of times you use a cemetery as consecrated ground yeah I also think they can go into a church yeah because I I, I want to say I don't think we see it. Well, first off, the master was in a sunken church. Yeah, yeah. And two, in season four, when Buffy and Faith switch bodies, mm-hmm. don't they have all the people trapped in a church? I th- yeah, yeah. But I was just, it was just one of those things where I was thinking, like, that's something that would be interesting in, like, a different show or book or something where, yeah, like, a Catholic, like, a Catholic church, like, a Catholic hospital would be something where if somebody, like, knows, supernatural things where they could consecrate it or you know do wards and stuff to keep yeah yeah that is very interesting now i'm gonna think about that yeah see oh yeah i never thought about that before until like i was just thinking about how there's how you have hospitals that are technically a catholic hospital as opposed to just a regular a regular old hospital interesting yeah We'll just we can just we can talk about that yeah. more off. Yeah, we'll, we'll, talk about, <laughs> we'll talk about it more offline instead of like letting you guys hear our whole like random thought process on that. Yeah. <laughs> that night, Buffy lays asleep in her hospital room as really creepy music plays. <sighs> she awakes around 2:30 a.m. to find a boy in the door of her hospital room. He stares at her for a minute before moving on, and then a super creepy guy follows. Oh, oh Der Kinderstad is super creepy. And like I, I, I knew that was coming. I have seen this episode yep. multiple times. I still jumped. Yeah, because oh my god, I hate the Kindestad. Yeah, it's it's he's a he's so creepy, and it's a very good job at being a creeper. 
Oh yeah, and we're we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about all of that at the end because he is he is very intentionally creepy, and there's yeah. a reason for we're gonna, we're gonna yeah. talk. I hate him, but we're gonna talk about him. Yeah, no, I, like I hate him, but it's a good it's he's a so good, good creeper. Yeah, he's one of, he's one of the best. Oh yeah, of, yeah. I mean, he's up there with in, gentleman uh, in judge. Yeah, and um, the gentleman, and even even gingerbread. Like oh yeah, the, the kids in that. Like it's a. Yeah, yeah. There's some they they do some real for for the '90s. They they do some really good creepy stuff. Buffy gets out of bed and decides to go investigate. But as she heads down the hall, her reality begins to blend with the memory of being in the hospital and visiting her cousin. Young Buffy heading down the hall and into a room, slowly approaching a hospital bed and the curtain pulled tight around it. So the notes in the script for this particular scene mention that the girl is an eight-year-old who looks as much like Sarah as Marsha can find. (laughs) I love that. Or maybe this was all in her head as we're back in Buffy's room with no time seeming to have passed at all. Still, she climbs out of bed and heads down the hall, which is eerily quiet, save for some coughing. As she passes by a greenlit doorway, one of the security guards watches. A security guard played by none other than Willie Garson. Willie. Best remembered for his roles as Stanford Blatch on Sex in the City and Mozzie on White Collar, Willie was a fabulous <sighs> actor that sadly we lost last year. Yeah, we... This was one of the first things we thought of when when we saw that he passed. I mean, yeah, we we both love Sex in the City and White Collar. Oh yeah. And I remember a while ago when I was doing my rewatch of this, it was before he before he had passed away. Yeah. I saw I'm like, "Oh, Willie. It's just so like it's just so nice. I love watching I love watching shows especially from the 90s where somebody who ended up getting a bigger role later yeah. mm-hmm. just has like a quick one off. We're going to yeah. see we're going to see that a couple of times yeah, in, the, in the course of Buffy. Yeah, we've I mean, and and even even here in season in season two, we've had so many people that. Yeah. Uh, but aside from being a fabulous actor, he was also a huge advocate of adoption, especially yeah. older child adoption. And in his honor, you got to believe set up the Willie Garson Fund to help with their mission of helping every child in the foster system find a forever home. We will have the link to the donation page in our show notes this week, and we'll make sure to tweet it out as well. Yeah, that's a, that's an amazing, it, it that's, a, that's amazing work to do because so many, so many children in, in the foster system, in the adoption system, so many older children just get forgotten about. And because everybody wants, everybody wants a baby. Exactly. Everybody wants a little kid, but there's so many older kids who, and that's something that that Kevin and I have discussed at some point, maybe adopting an older, an older child, you know, somebody, you know, (laughs) somebody who they, you know, they, they need that love. They need that, that affection. And it's not their fault. They're not a baby and they're, no. they're, they're in the system. So yeah, this is going to be, there, there's going to be a lot of tears, people. <laughs> I, this is an unexpectedly hard episode. I am a very, I am a very emotional frog right now. It is not good. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Going on. <laughs> like, you know, there's, there's the episodes where I am just uh, the pun demon and this is going to be not one of those episodes (laughs) this is this is emotional froggy i am trying i am trying to find something funny to say and it's just not working (laughs) 
Further on down the hall, two orderlies wheel out a covered gurney, remarking on how it's always hard when you lose the young ones. Creeping closer to the doorway they just came out of, Buffy listens as two of the doctors argue. Seems a lot of the kids on the ward aren't getting better and aren't responding to any of the normal treatments. She turns to go back to her room and runs into the boy from earlier along with a girl. They tell Buffy he always comes at night, but that the grown-ups don't see him, that he was with Tina, and that he'll come back for them. That same night, we see Xander sitting in the hall when Angelus arrives. Xander moves to block his way and tells him that visiting hours are over. Maybe he should come back during the day. Oh, wait, right, he can't. Angelus asks him that if he really wanted to walk into Buffy's room, does Xander think he could stop him? Maybe not. And maybe the security guards, cops, and orderlies couldn't either, but he's willing to try. Is Angelus game? Angelus just shakes his head. Buffy's white knight. He's still in love with her. And it must eat him up inside that Angelus got there first. (sighs) To his credit, Xander does not rise to the bait. Just tells Angelus that he's going to die and Xander's going to be there. You know what? This is, it's, it's great. It's a great Xander moment because it's definitely showing how much confidence he has gained since season one. If, if, you know, of course it wouldn't have, this wouldn't have happened in season one because you had to build up. But if this had been season one Xander, he would have been stumbling over his words and, and not uh-huh. able to, to face him. But he oh, has yeah. gone through so much in the course of two seasons that it is, he does grow. Yeah. Stop hating Xander, people. Hitting Xander's chest with the flowers he brought, he tells Xander to tell Buffy he stopped by. Then he leaves and Xander... Xander looks like he can't believe he just did that. Good for you, Xander. <laughs> he stood up to Angelus and did not die. <laughs> and and like we said, we love Xander. And we're just going to point out that it's Xander that's sitting there. Yep. Camping out, making sure Angelus doesn't get to Buffy while she's weak. Mm-hmm. It's Xander, not Willow, not Giles, ready to die in order to defend her. But yeah, okay, Xander sucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Xander only looks out for himself or whatever people say each week. We go then to a flashback of young Buffy and Cecilia playing, one of them caught in an avalanche of pillows and the other pretending to be Power Girl, (laughs) a blanket tied around their neck like a cape. That flashback melds into one of a young Buffy in the hospital. This time we see her pull back the curtain to reveal Cecilia in the hospital bed. Before we can see more, Buffy awakens to find the doctor beside her bed. She greets Buffy and says her fever seems to have gone down, as has the swelling around the injuries she came in with. Well, great. Excellent news. Buffy will be going then, but really they should keep in touch. So while I am fairly certain they were using Power Girl just to be a generic superhero. Right. There is an actual Power Girl. Yeah. Uh, DC Comics Power Girl, otherwise known as Kara Zor-El or Karen mm-hmm. Starr. Yep. Made her debut in 1976 in All-Star Comics number 58, revealed to be from an alternate Earth, Earth 2. Power Girl ends up stranded in the main universe, becoming part of their stories. And yes, you guys will notice I said Kara Zor-El, so she is the alternate version of Supergirl. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, I really do think that they just were trying to do a... A generic. Generic. Yeah. Yeah. But... It landed, lined up, so there we go. Yep. The doctor tells her not so fast. They need to make sure the fever is totally gone. It's a nasty virus she has. And is that the same virus the kids have? Before the doctor can answer, Giles knocks on the door asking if they can come in. Yes, please. Maybe they can stop her from bolting. She leaves and Xander offers Buffy the balloons he brought saying, flowers from a lady. <laughs> she points out that they are, in fact, balloons. And he kind of shrugs it off, telling her to stick them in water and see if they'll grow. <laughs> <laughs> How? Like, 
<laughs> how? Like, how? How can you? How can you dislike that? Not wanting to be outdone, Willow places school books on Buffy's lap. <laughs> Homework. Just a little something to say get well soon. You know, chocolate says that just as well. I think I would rather the chocolate than the, the school books. Well, well, Willow says she did all of Buffy's assignments. <laughs> she just needs to sign her name. Chocolate means nothing to Buffy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like chocolate, but if someone offered to do if all my homework. If someone did my homework. I think yeah. I would take that. Yeah. But then again, we were the people who were doing other people's homework. So Yeah, this is true. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone but we turned- got paid for it. I <laughs> yeah. mean, I got paid for it. Mm-hmm. No way was I doing anybody's homework for free. Everyone turns to look at Cordelia and she says no one told her she was supposed to bring a gift. <laughs> that she was out of the loop on gifts. Giles says it's traditional among people. and then lays a bag of grapes on Buffy's bed table. One, that's not in the script. So I think Anthony made them add that (laughs) because apparently this is a thing. There is a tradition in Britain of bringing grapes when you visit someone in the hospital. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing Anthony was like, well, this is something Giles would do. Yeah. And added that in because there's no way the script writers would have known that. Yeah, yeah. No, I like if somebody brought me grapes. I love grapes. Right. Many suspect that it's to make up for the horrid hospital food, but others theorize it could be due to the fact that they seem sugary and sweet, but are actually nutritious. They contain multiple vitamins and antioxidants, and they are ab- natural dem- demulcents. Yes. Um, which is the thing we put into cough drops to help coat our throat. Yeah. Or yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah I, grapes. So, yeah, you, you know, know. And, and and since you since you brought that up, like I always love grapes, and that's one of those things where when I'm feeling like I need a snack, plus it also like a lot of the things with snacking is that bowl to like the hand, like the hand to mouth, like the movement, like people. Mm-hmm. There's something about that that get people. So things like grapes and blueberries and things like that, they it satisfies that urge, and it's not too bad for you. Yeah. My mom keeps grapes in her fridge. When I work over there, I go through like entire like containers yeah. of them. Yeah. We, we go blueberries in my house, blueberries between Owen and Kevin. The two of them will just sit there and demolish a whole big thing of blueberries. Giles asks if she made it through the night. All right. Not really. Some stuff. She looks over at the nurse who just came in to check her vitals and says, maybe they should take a walk, which they do. Buffy in a wheelchair. Now, this part she could get used to, aka being pushed around while they talk. Willow asks Buffy if she wants her to go really fast, but a look for Giles has her backtracking. Because, you know, she wouldn't do that. <laughs> Giles says there was some stuff she wanted to discuss. Yeah, a girl died there last night. Does she know what happened? The flu. The flu doesn't sound all that monstrous. She knows, but there's more. There's this doctor, and he's apparently been giving the kids some sort of experimental treatment. He's really creepy. And then there was this kid, Ryan. He said he saw something. Something none of the grown-ups can see. What was it? Death? Death. Like, the death. Mm-hmm. Like, it is your time death? Giles tells her that one frightened child doesn't necessarily mean, yeah, but she thought she saw something too. She can't swear to it. She was pretty out of it. But was it death? Did he have an hourglass? Xander tells her if he asks her to play chess, she'll say no. I love that. Did are you gonna cover that reference? Oh, the the chess. No, I actually don't have that. So would you like to talk about that reference? Yes, I would. So uh what what he is referencing is the movie The Seventh Seal, 
in which a medieval knight plays chess with death for his life. It is a 1957 Swedish historical fantasy. <laughs> I love that Swedish. And it was directed by Ingmar Bergman. So yeah, it's, you know what? It is a classic movie. It's black and white. It's just a guy and death playing chess. So I, you know what? Watch it. Yeah. All yeah, right. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic movie. It's just, you know, so anytime you hear somebody talking about playing chess with death, that's what it's referencing. Although you could also go to the Animaniacs route where Wacko plays chess, plays checkers with death after saying, if he eats one more meatball, he's going to die. And death shows up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, as you do. Buffy says maybe it wasn't death. Maybe it was something else. So this has nothing to do with her being scared of hospitals because her friend died. And so she's making up a monster to fight in order to not seem so helpless. Everyone just looks at Cordelia. And Giles asks her (laughs) if she's ever heard of tact. (laughs) Tact is just saying stuff that's not true. She'll pass. That is another line I use all the time. And, And I have a vivid memory of probably shortly after this episode aired, being in one of the stairwells of our school, because my school was five floors straight up. And I said something to someone, which caused our friend Jess to just turn to me and go tact. And literally legit word for word. Just tact is just saying stuff that's not true. Yeah. I, Kevin, Kevin, when we first met, he was very, very lacking in the tact department. <laughs> and he said, like, I looked at him and I said something. I'm like, Kevin. And, and I, I think he said something like, my mom told me never to lie. <laughs> I love that. Mom told me never to lie. Yeah, it was some, It was something like that. I mean, he's he's gotten better with it. But like, sometimes you just have to... <laughs> Willow says Joyce told them about her cousin. This has nothing to do with that. Ryan is scared of something. And as long as she's stuck there, she's going to look into it. Xander asks if this is the part where they ask what they can do to help. For Xander and Cordelia, that seems to be sneaking around the hospital's record rooms, trying to find out just what killed Tina. As Xander looks through one of the cabinets, Cordelia says, this is what you get for being compassionate towards sick people. They take advantage of you. Oh, Cordy. Yes, that's it. Buffy almost died to put her out. Well, she didn't want to be the first to say it. Xander tells her to go to the right and he'll go to the left. Cordelia opens her own cabinet and begins looking only to have the security guard pop up behind her. What's she doing in there? Back at the library, Willow asks Giles where they start. Oh, he's not sure. The history of the hospital, maybe? Any strange occurrences? Willow says she's sensing less than a full commitment from him. He just wonders if, insensitive though she was, Cordelia wasn't right. Death and disease are some of the only things Buffy can't fight. And so it's natural for her to try and create a fightable opponent, especially now after Jenny. My heart. I can't take this. I know. I know. Why did we think this was a good idea? I have no idea. But also, it is interesting how a lot of this discussion will be brought up again in season six. Yep. In normal again, where they talk about Buffy creating situations that she control. She can Mm -hmm. control in which she is the hero, the victor. Well, it says that's true. But as they live on the Hellmouth, it's also possible that the kids saw the monster. A monster that the adults can't see. It doesn't ring a bell to Giles. It's the Hellmouth. <laughs> Sometimes 
Giles forgets that, apparently. I know, I know. Like, Giles, just because you never heard of something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Well, sometimes kids do see something that adults can't. They're true selves. So then maybe the kids are seeing another side of a person, like the doctor. Willow will start looking them up. In the records room, Cordelia flirts with the security guard in order to buy Xander time to escape with the file. I love everything about their conversation, even if I did keep yelling Mozzie at the I know. television. I know, I know. In their flirting, Cordelia does manage to bring up the girl that died, and the security guard mentions how she was one of Dr. Backer's patients, Dr. Backer being the creepy doctor. Oh, creepy. The security says Dr. Backer is a brilliant man and that he understands the truth about children. Oh, Ooh. yeah? And what's that? Sometimes they die. That's Xander- not creepy. Right? That, oof. That's, that's Mozzie. <laughs> Mozzie, what are you doing? That's, that's not being compassionate. Being creepy in a hospital. Like, what are you doing, Mozzie? Xander heads out then and Cordelia keeps the guard's attention on her by telling him that he has the most perfect nose. He must work out. <laughs> Outside in the hall, Xander waits. Cordelia comes around the corner and he asks if she could be any more touchy-gropey. Is he jealous of Rogaine Boy? No. He hands her the file and tells her to take it to Giles. He's going to stay there. Right, because of his obsession with protecting Buffy. Has she ever mentioned how attractive that's not? (laughs) Someone has to watch her back. Oh, she's seen him watch her back. What's that supposed to mean? Oh, now who's jealous? It means she's seen him check out her ass. She's jealous? Cordelia says, fine. He can watch her back. And as she walks away, he does. His head cocking a bit as he takes in the view. It is a good view. It's, I mean, it's a great view. While neither Xander nor Cordelia go about this conversation in the best way, (laughs) I do have a problem with Cordelia being uppity about it. Mm -hmm. Because we saw Angelus come to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. We know he's trying to get to her. And again, no one else is volunteering to stay. Exactly. She's certainly not. And you can't have you can't have Joyce stay because she doesn't know anything. Yeah, and Willow and Giles aren't offering to stay. Right. So yeah, he is gonna stay because someone has to. And if you have a problem with it, Cordy, then grab a cross and offer to stay while Xander takes the file to Giles. But I don't see you doing that. To be fair, teenagers don't think straight. Mm. No, and Cordelia will make up for this in in a few scenes. Yeah. But for right now, I'm just like, Cordy, come on. But to be fair, to be fair, I, I can see I can see Cordy considering Xander just was doing his thing about her flirting with the security guard. So oh, yeah. she's just coming back with that. It's just fighting. Yep. It's what they do. Yep. Feeling a bit better, Buffy wanders about the hospital in a tank top and pajama pants. Patrolling along the pediatrics ward, she enters a darkened playroom where Ryan is sitting drawing. He tells Buffy she shouldn't be there, that he's contagious, and she assures him that she's already had what he has. She then notices his drawing and how it looks like the bean she saw the other night. He says it will come again that night, then nothing can stop it. Buffy tells him (sighs) while it's true some monsters are real, so are heroes. They fight the monsters, and she just happens to be one of them. Ryan tells her that she can't fight death. Back in the library, Willow looks into Dr. Backer, who it seems has something of a rap sheet, which I love. One of the items is misuse of NIH funds. (laughs) Uh, Those of you who may not know, I do work at NIH. I I work in in one of the institutes under the larger NIH umbrella. So that was a fun little catch for me. Yeah. 
you know what? It's still just just as a side note, like I love telling people that one of my best friends works for NIH <laughs> because the way that I make it sound is that you personally work with Dr. Fauci. Everyone does. It's fantastic. I was like, like, this is a big misrepresentation of what I do. <laughs> like, I love like whenever whenever I tell people like because because. I make it sound like Mary is personal best friends with with Doctor Fauci. We go for coffee. <laughs> yeah, no. The 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 truth of it is, it's a big misrepresentation of what I do. He does work in my building. I I did before the pandemic occasionally ride the elevator with him. But no, no, I I do no, not actually being, work with him. She's being very modest. <laughs> She's being very modest. They're best friends. They're even. They're even. They're even more besties than me and her are. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So don't let her. Don't let her be modest. <laughs> Look, we needed to lighten this episode up somehow. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. <sighs> okay. Uh, it also seems he had a malpractice suit that was suddenly dropped. Add into that, Buffy's whole gives her the Wiggins thing, and this might be their guy. Giles says he just wishes he knew what the doctor was doing to those children. Looks like we're about to find out as we're suddenly back at the hospital and heading down a creepy-ass hallway. Dr. Backer looks over a printout before moving about his office, checking on various other things. A vial, a book, all as if trying to find the answer to something. In another part of the hall, Xander is fighting to stay awake. Something that is aided by Cordelia showing up with coffee and donuts and a magazine as it looks like she does intend to stay as well. Yes, good. Good, Good. Cordelia. See, she realized Xander was not talking the nonsense and so is there to help. We like this Cordelia. Yes, we we like, she probably went home. She thought about it for a little bit, realized she was being unfair and now she's back. Also, the donuts Cordelia brings Xander are Krispy Kremes, mm. which many will agree are the best donuts. Oh, they're the best. But at the time, there was just one Krispy Kreme in the Los Angeles area. So Cordy drove quite a bit to get Xander those donuts. Yeah, back in, now this is this is going ahead a few years to the year 2000, when we were in college, when I was in, when I went to college in Kutztown, Pennsylvania, the the closest Krispy Kreme was in Scranton. So my friends and I one day piled into my crappy little car and drove to Scranton just to get donuts. Yeah, we we used to have one. I think ours was in DC, so you would hop the metro. But now we have a couple more. Oh yeah, spread yeah. Out. We have we have a we have one closer to where I live, where we usually go when we have people over and get yes, a couple. Yes, I dozen. love going to the Krispy Kreme. I know, I know. That's that's. Oh, I haven't been there in a while. Leaving his office, Dr. Backer heads to one of the children's rooms, a vial in hand, and unaware that Buffy is following him. Mm. He goes over to one of the sleeping children and begins to inject them when something attacks him, something neither he nor Buffy can see. It claws at his chest and tears him apart before dragging him off down the hall. Several of the children are awake during this and watch in horror. The next morning, the gang visits Buffy and tells her she is definitely on to something. While Tina died of the fever, her record showed her getting better and then deteriorating for no reason. Seems Dr. Backer is kind of shady. No, Buffy says it wasn't Backer. He was clean. What does she mean clean? And more importantly, what does she mean was? (laughs) Yeah, by Dr. Backer. Buffy explains that Backer was killed. And not by kindness. She hands him Ryan's drawing and says the thing that killed Ryan is real. And she gets to fight it. She saw it. No, it's invisible, but it shredded backer and knocked her down. And this is her artwork? No, it belongs to one of the kids. (laughs) So then how do they figure out what it is? 
Cordelia mentions Buffy saw it the other night, and she says, yeah, but she was pretty delirious then. Why would she see it then and not now? Before anyone can answer that, Joyce comes in, remarking that she looked like she interrupted a secret meeting. (laughs) She sure didn't. (laughs) Joyce brings good news. Buffy can go home. What? No. No, she can't. She's, She's not feeling well. She thinks she needs to stay a bit longer. She feels ooky. Ooky. <laughs> Increased ookiness. Xander remarks that that is a danger sign. Joyce asks Buffy if she's sure, and she says, yeah, but only for a day or so. Joyce says, okay, and goes to talk to the nurse as Cordelia shuts the door behind her. So what's the course of action? Buffy says she'll need to know what she's fighting. So if Giles can get a mugshot of her guy, he says he'll go to work. She'll check Dr. Backer's office to see if she can find any post-its marked, why a monster would want to kill me. (laughs) Of course, she doubts she'll know what any of that means. So Willow? Oh yeah, she's great at medical stuff. She and Xander used to play doctor all the time. (laughs) Buffy and Cordelia both look at Xander and he explains that this was a literal plane of doctor As in, Willow used to diagnose him with things. He didn't have the heart to tell her they were playing it wrong. (laughs) At this, Willow looks confused. How did they play doctor? Buffy says she never did. And Cordelia just gives her a knowing look. Yeah, right. (laughs) As fascinating as this conversation is, Giles says they should probably... Buffy finishes his sentence with a yes, go. He, Xander, and Cordelia leave while Willow stays behind with Buffy. Giles says he's off to the library and Xander remarks he's on sentry duty. Angel won't show till sundown, but maybe he'll get lucky with this death guy. Cordy asks how, he's invisible. And Xander says, yeah, but if he sees a floating pipe in a smoking jacket, dude's going down. (laughs) Giles tells them to stay alert and Xander tells Giles to take Cordy. Figuring out who this death guy is takes priority. Why does he have to... Giles stops himself and says an assistant would be good. Giving him a look, Cordy says, yeah, tact guy, let's go. She tells Xander to be careful and then she and Giles head off. Elsewhere, Ryan sneaks around the children's ward trying to avoid the security guard while Buffy and Willow sneak into Backer's office. They poke around, Buffy lamenting that he was yet another person she couldn't save. And then Willow finds something. Turns out the doctor was trying to use controlled doses of the fever to inoculate the kids, raise their temperature to burn the sickness out, and it was starting to work right up until whatever it was killed him. During this scene, Buffy calls Willow Sherlock. <laughs> a direct reference to Sherlock Holmes. Pretty sure we don't need to explain who yeah. Sherlock Holmes is. Yeah. But we will, because it's what we do. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, it's, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it very briefly, but I'm going to talk about it. Sherlock Holmes is a fictional consulting detective created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. He first appeared in 1887, and though not the first fictional detective, he is most certainly the most well-known. In fact, the Guinness Book of World Records lists him as the most famous character in literature and film. Yep. In the library, Giles and Cordelia look over a book of demons, Cordelia asking what each one does until Giles finally snaps and tells her that the last one she asked about asks endless questions of those with whom they're supposed to be working so that nothing gets done. (laughs) He then gets up and says he doesn't even know if they're on the right track. Cordelia closes the book in front of her, and that's when they see it on the cover. Its name is Durkindestad. Cordelia calls a very confused Buffy to explain what they found. Its name means child death, and it feeds off children by sucking out their life force, later making them look like they died of sickness. So, you know, the children's ward is kind of an all-you-can-eat buffet for this thing. And since Backer was curing the kids and taking away his food source, well, he had to go. Giles comes in then saying he found a picture of how Dukindestad feeds and asked to speak to Buffy. <laughs> Before he can get on the phone, Cordelia takes the book and just, ew, ew, Buffy should see it. How this thing does its thing? Gross. <laughs> She gets up and hands the phone to Giles. How do they always talk her into this stuff? (laughs) 
Giles explains to Buffy that Durkindestad feeds by sitting atop its victim and pinning them down before sucking out their life force. Something that must be terrifying for them. As Giles speaks, Buffy gets a faraway look on her face, remembering the night Cecilia died. The fear in her eyes, her screams of get it off. Durkindestad killed her, and they need to kill it before it can prey on any more kids. Off the phone, Buffy and Willow try to figure out how. She can't even see it. She saw it once before, when she was sick. Yeah, but she was delirious because of the fever. She's not even... Wait, that was it. She could see it because she was sick. So like I said, I want to talk about Dekindestad, but we're going to save it to the end because ooh, there's oh, there's so much there's to talk so about. Much. There's Dick so much to And like I said, the the different iterations this episode went through, uh, the creator calls one of the original ideas for this episode, the great lost Buffy script. Mm. So we're going to talk about all that at the end. Uh, for right now, I will say that Durkindestad is not a demon. He is a boogeyman. And apparently the difference between the two, at least in the Buffyverse, is basically that we never call him a demon. <laughs> <laughs> We next see Buffy and Willow back in Dr. Backer's office, Buffy going for the vials in the fridge as Willow asks her to think about it. Buffy has, and it's the only way, the fever is how you see it. She goes to down a vial and Willow stops her. That's 100% pure. It will kill her in an instant. She needs to dilute it. (laughs) Willow helps her do so and Buffy takes a sip. Here's to her health. Now infected, Buffy has Willow help her down the hall to the children's ward. Only when they get there... The kids are gone, gone and running through the lower levels trying to escape. As Buffy and Willow try to figure out where the kids have gone, Buffy stares into the room. It's in there. She watches it materialize and check the kids' beds. Then the two lock eyes. With the tip of its hat, the Kindestad heads for the door marked basement access. (sighs) The basement, it's going after the kids. Only Buffy can't get through the ward door. And during her attempts to break through, her doctor shows up. What is she doing? Willow says she's not feeling well. And so the doctor tries to get Buffy to go back to bed. This leads to the two of them pushing her while apologizing and running off. (laughs) Doctor immediately calls for security. Thankfully, the doctor didn't specify what the issue was. (laughs) So when they round the corner and run into the security guards, Willow is able to draw their attention by screaming about frogs and begging them to get them off her. (laughs) This allows Buffy to slip off. When the doctor arrives and says, not Willow, she just shrugs. No more frogs. <laughs> Originally, Willow's freakout was about bats. Uh, in the original script, she starts screaming about bats, horrible bats, get them off her. But then remembering her frog fear from What's My Line, the writers changed it. In her search to find the basement door, Buffy runs into Xander, who jumps up and goes to her when he sees she's not at her best. He thinks it might be Angelus, but no, Buffy says it's not him. They need to get to the basement. Where Durkindestad is hunting the children, desperately trying to find them. And they are desperately trying to avoid him, keeping low, hiding behind structures. One of the girl complains she's cold, and Ryan gives her his robe before saying it will be okay. They're safe down there. Of course, that's when Durkindestad grabs him. The other kids screaming. Xander and Buffy make their way to the basement. Does she know how to kill it? She was thinking violence. (laughs) As that seems to work more often than not. Throwing Ryan down, Dukindestad goes to feed. His eye sockets opening to reveal two sucker-like appendages. No, no, just no, just no. This shit is the shit of nightmares. So it's good that Buffy arrives before this can go any further. (laughs) Hitting him in the back of the head and drawing his attention so that Xander can get Ryan and the other kids out of there. Buffy and Durkindestad fight, and it's a bit rough. Buffy definitely off her A-game. He even manages to get her down, laid out on a pile of tubing. But when he goes in for the kill, Buffy snaps his neck. Standing, she moves towards Xander, who asks if she's okay. She says, yeah, before collapsing in his arms. 
So maybe she's not 100% quite yet. He helps her towards the steps saying, dude is dead, right? Because he definitely heard something snap. Yeah, that would be his neck. (laughs) For our last scene, we go to the Summers home where Buffy and the others are up in her room watching some old musical. You can tell from the background noise, we never actually see what it is. So I couldn't identify what the musical was, but... You could just kind of tell. Yeah, yeah. Joyce brings Buffy up a sandwich and some juice, but Buffy sends it back. She wanted crunchy peanut butter and extra jelly. (laughs) Willow asks that while Joyce is up, can she get a refill? And Xander needs more cheesy chips. (laughs) Joyce says he ate the last bag, but he knows that's not true. There's another bag hidden. What's with her mom trying to bogart the cheesy chips? (laughs) Joyce goes to get them all what they wanted, exasperated, (sighs) but also loving the whole dead mom life she has going on yeah yeah i mean when you only have you only have one kid and then you end up having you're taking care of a bunch of other kids sometimes it's fun she then remembers buffy got something in the mail she hands it to buffy and it's a picture from ryan of buffy killing to kinderstadt (laughs) (laughs) joyce remarks that it's nice (laughs) as we fade to black so Bogarting is just, oh, it's a great piece of slang. Uh, yep. It's very popular in the 90s, but it's actually taken from 1960s drug culture. Okay. Uh, marijuana, marijuana specifically, because to Bogart is to hog or to keep something. But back then they specifically meant a joint. So like to keep the joint for yourself instead of passing it along. <laughs> And yes, the phrase is a reference to Humphrey Bogart because of the cigarette that was forever dangling from his mouth. Okay. So Bogarting started with like, don't Bogart a joint. And then from then it just kind of became anything. Yeah. So I love, I love that. I like that. Yeah. And I love that it goes back to Humphrey Bogart. So that is the end of the episode. That was a rough one. That was a rough one, but okay. So so let's talk about Durkindestad and the origins of this episode. Yes. Uh, As we said earlier, Durkindestad is a boogeyman uh, based in the sort of boogeyman the creator was scared of as a child. He said a lot of times the demons and the monsters on the show, they're built for fantasy. They're very cool looking. They're not really scary. Mm -hmm. With Durkindestad, he wanted to go back to that like primal childhood fear. Yeah. Uh, Grim Brothers, don't look under the bed, don't go into the dark part of the forest kind of fear. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I say mission accomplished because the Kindestad creeps me the fuck out. Oh, it, it is one of the creepiest. Uh, like, it's one of the creepiest up to this point. Like, when we get to the gentleman later. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I, I think the creator considers Dirk Hinderscott the the scariest one they they ever, like, in, yeah. in, in his opinion, this is hands down the scariest and one. And I think, I think it's also the scariest just because of what it does. So, obviously, Dirk Hinderscott isn't based on any particular myth. Uh, you know, the team said as much. But the whole setup reminds me of the Striga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know what a Striga is, a Striga is a witch from Albanian folklore, and it's said to go into the windows of homes and feed on infants and young children in the night. It's kind of a vampiric take mm-hmm. on a witch. Um, it feeds off their blood, and then it turns into an insect and disappears. So Panda and I were talking about that. We were talking about the Striga. We were talking about the, the kind of similar feel to the two creatures, mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. though they do different things. And um, you know, she brought up the good point that stuff like Der Kinderstad and like the Striga were very much meant to explain things like SIDS. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was I was just gonna say that. Yeah, they 
at a at a time when you didn't know why a young child was going to you know was was passing away you you came up with some sort of supernatural because everything was supernatural yes and it and it ties into a long tradition of blaming witches for everything oh yeah yeah it was wrong in a community yeah yeah that poor old lady who lives down the lane who just wants to tend her herb garden she killed my cow yep she just looked at it funny she looked at my cow and now it's dead it, it, okay no 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 but yes <laughs> we, we could rant about about witches and and societies <laughs> that's a whole, of them for a that's a whole other time. podcast that's a whole other podcast uh, so let, let's just talk about how like bonkers the first idea for this episode was you know what we could do that's another that's that's more patreon content just yes. us ranting about the persecution of women being witches so the original idea of this episode involved orphans old people and cats <laughs> <laughs> Originally, the idea was that the gang would be volunteering at an orphanage that also housed old people. <laughs> it gets better. And every time a child was about to get adopted, the parents would die. The idea was you'd see the kids gathered in circles whispering. And so the idea was you would think the children were doing it. When really it was the old people as they wanted to keep the kids around and feed off their youth. And oh yeah, the old people turned into panthers. I I need this. Like he's he says it's one of the great lost Buffy scripts. I don't know if it ever made it to a script or just an idea. I really hope there is an actual script of that idea floating this around is, somewhere. This is what happens when you get a bunch of writers together and they're drunk, probably, and they're just that this 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 definitely reads like we're just throwing a, everybody's throwing an idea out oh we have orphans oh how about old people and they turn into panthers like this this really reads like people just throwing ideas out so when they realized that was never going to work as much as the creator loved the idea they moved to a hospital setting and originally buffy was going to have a roommate a sweet old woman who turned into dakindastad at night but then explaining why she was visible as the old lady and not as the Kindestad got complicated. <laughs> so they it. They they took it back to its most simplest form. Why are people scared of hospitals? Yeah. Death. So, That's, you yeah. know, what if these kids were seeing death? Yeah. And there's your episode. <laughs> so I just like that. And it also involved Panthers. I like, yeah, I like again, like going back to the simplest, the simplest form is that's because yeah, that other that other was definitely too bonkers. There's way too many ideas. Yeah, or or huh. or you know what else it is? It's a it's like they have they have a cork board and yeah. you have different ideas on the cork board and you got a dart and you're just throwing it at the cork board and saying so like okay so we got this we got that there we go orphanage old people panthers yeah what can or we one do of those, this? or one of those or or one of the the memes or things that goes around on facebook every so often where it's like your your birth month your birthday and what color shirt you're wearing is yes. going to be yes. your your plot idea your plot idea i love it all right well that's it for this week Thank you all for listening and make sure you join us next time when we take on season two, episode 19. I only have eyes for you. 
another episode with a ton to unpack. There is way. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're just we're just going because when we get to go fish, it's going to be a lot more fun. A lot more fun. Because then we get to talk about our teenage selves, seeing boys in Speedos and... And that episode also has a very special guest star. It does. Yes, it does. Until then, check out our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye. Bye.